0: Doomed to Repeat is a Delta Green actual play podcast with violent themes and adult language. This episode contains the topic of COVID-19. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Welcome to Doomed to Repeat. I'm Sergio, your handler. For those of you who don't know what that is, I'm basically the dungeon master, like in D&D. The game is Delta Green, a modern horror tabletop RPG by Arc Dream Publishing, who keeps us safe from the things that go bump in the night in our game. It's a secret U.S. government organization whose aim is to eliminate unnatural incursions into our world. Welcome to The Conspiracy. Now let's begin. It's April 18th, 2020. Major cities across America have enacted quarantines to combat the rise of a disease called COVID-19 or coronavirus. What started as a rumor of a flu from China has exploded into a full-blown global pandemic. It's been about two weeks of real quarantine in America and the halt of normal life is jarring. Reactions from Americans range from paranoia and depression to outright denial. Those of you who work in government continue your jobs, either from home or taking turns coming into the office. Even with the threat of disease and uncertain times, you don your masks, you wash your hands, and you self-isolate. In times like these, how do we keep from going crazy? feeling helpless most people are wrestling with these existential dreads for the first time but you know these thoughts and feelings all too well don't you agents caleb introduce yourself your agent using their pseudonym and describe an average day in their life and how quarantine has affected it
2: i am agent Merritt. I am from Ithaca, New York and that's where I'm stationed now. I think quarantine was especially hard for myself because uh, I like to think of myself as a person who can control situations and this is a situation out of my control. I think the first thing I did was some damage control. I called the hospital to inform them that they could move my father to home hospice to free hospital beds Uh, and I hired a nurse the following day to make sure that he would be looked after for the entire quarantine. After that, uh, well, I knew I would be restless as all of my free time outside of my cases and working with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, well, none of it would be done uh, anywhere outside of my condo. So naturally, to prepare for this, I worked out an entire 30-day workout schedule with three workouts a day using my home gym. It took some time and some organization, but once it was done, I felt like I was really accomplishing something. You know that the the first step in complacency is uh, realizing you have free time. After that, uh, I did a deep clean and reorganized my apartment, only to realize I liked the first formation better, and the next day, I took it all back to square one. Following that, I thought maybe I was not preparing enough for the life ahead. So I thought I might redo my theater go bags. I uh, assembled three go bags for specific nights at the opera nights uh, to to better uh, execute specific theaters. And then I hid them throughout the house. I think the best that I've found so far is one that is hidden directly underneath my shower after pulling out the tiles from the drain grate. After that, I comprised all of my CID case files, every case that I've ever been a part of as a detective and also as an agent within the CID, and I organized them. Uh, I put them into a portfolio. My mother some time ago would have called this a scrapbook. I'm choosing portfolio. In answer to all of this, I realized that I'm becoming increasingly bored and so I decided that I would watch the old woman that lives across the street from me and assemble a psych evaluation on whether I thought she was fit for duty and field operation. After realizing that she walks her dog a maximum of four day, uh, four times each day, I've decided that she is unfit for duty and should seek clinical uh, clinical analyzation immediately. Furthermore, Uh, Since I am unable to visit my brother, uh, I call him weekly to remind him of the processes and guidelines that the CDC has put out about how to stay safe in crowds, no matter how essential you may be. He doesn't like when I reprimand him like this, but I know it's keeping him safe. I take notes day to day with my Alexa. She's not a very good secretary, and very little does she understand what I'm saying to her but she seems to understand when I threaten her job. Uh, It is nice to have a voice in the apartment outside of my dog Samson's barking, and someday I hope that Alexa may actually engage in conversation back, but I also worry for that day. Uh, Finally, I like to FaceTime Miranda and Gordy just to check in and to make sure that Gordy is entertained. He likes when I read books to him because he says I sound weird I think he's right
1: Agent Merritt you are home in your apartment in your condo and it's later in the evening the sun has set and you are maybe getting dinner ready or just kind of tidying up you hear Samson bark once and then he's then you just hear him kind of whining what do you do I
2: definitely pick myself up from uh, wherever I'm sitting, and and I walk over to Samson. I'm trying to ascertain as
1: to why my dog is uh, upset. You find him in the front of the condo, in the front door, and he's kind of sniffing at the door and, and whimpering. This worries me immediately. I employ the training
2: I've had with uh, Samson, and I inform him that he should vacate the area. More so, I I tell him to get out of the way. He doesn't listen once, but he listens twice.
1: Um, And then I'll open the door. You open the door, and resting against the threshold of the door is a manila envelope that has been folded in half. Um, Do you pick it up? Yes. I
2: I have an inkling that I know exactly what this is, and I'm ready for it. I open it.
1: You open it up, and sliding out are two things. There's a flip phone and a slip of paper. You open the paper up, and you notice a familiar green triangle that sits at the top of the page. The rest of the page reads, You are cordially invited to a night at the opera. There's a flight number and a time and two sets of coordinates. The instructions tell you to visit the first set of coordinates before boarding your flight. You are to arrive at the second set of coordinates by 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. The final line reads, memorize this memo, then destroy it. Agent Merritt, you know what this means. You're being asked to go out onto the field for that program. How do you prepare? Well, first I turn and I say to
2: Alexa, Alexa, please cancel all my future plans for the month. Uh, I'm going on vacation. Uh, and then I move immediately into uh, my bathroom and remove the tiles that I've placed over my go bag location. I retrieve everything I have inside of it. It has all of my falsified documents, my, uh, my alternate identities, and it has uh, the majority of the things I take into the field and then uh, some additional foreign cash and whatever I may need in the field itself. And then I prepare uh, three changes of
1: clothes for each day I think I will be away. Okay. Allegra, introduce yourself, your agent, using your pseudonym, and again, describe their life and how quarantine has affected it.
0: I am playing Agent Tuck, Agent Tuck is currently in quarantine with her wife. Her wife is a meteorologist, and Agent Tuck is an FBI agent, so they've been um, pretty fortunate in the fact that on the off days that they aren't asked to come into the office, they can um, work from home together. Not necessarily together, um, given the sensitive nature of some of Agent Tuck's um, work. But they are in the same house together. They're actually actually recently... Um, back together after a few years separation it's a little bit of a trial run they spend most of their time you know working as i said but agent tuck has definitely been doing her best to not take work home with her in that she'll get done with the work day and that is it she does not study case files she doesn't do extra research outside of it once the day is done it's done and that is time with her wife and with their cat jane they they catch up on loose uh, missed time. They read books together. They watch movies. Married married life things. Trying to trying to find a new normal within the quarantine, of uh, of going from seeing each other, maybe once or twice a month, to seeing each other every day again. Recently, they've taken up jujitsu. Or uh, Agent Tuck had been doing jujitsu before. Uh, and so she decided that during quarantine would be a great time to teach her wife and they, they, they do it it just uh, they don't necessarily last too long at the jujitsu part of it uh, <laughs> uh, yeah that's, she's, she's, been, she's been trying really hard to separate her work life from her home life which obviously is very difficult when you're working from home but that's been her main focus
1: So Agent Tuck, you are home, waiting for Rue to come home. She's gone, made a run to the groceries. The sun has gone down, and she comes in. She's on the phone with her mother, and she's got two bags of groceries in her hands, and she's kind of half talking to you, half talking to her mother. She says, can you believe that they're out of toilet paper? I, I think <laughs> these people are ridiculous. People were taking like four and five reams. What are they going to do with all this paper? Oh, by the way, this was found. I, I found this outside. She drops a manila envelope in your lap.
0: I'm going to set the envelope to the side and I'm going to take the bags from her. Okay. Put everything away. And then if she, while she's on the phone with her mother, I'll go in the in the room that I've kind of claimed. As the uh, as the jujitsu slash my office room, and uh, and I'll will uh, I'll open the envelope. With okay, in my stomach.
1: You step into your private jujitsu room and you open the envelope and you find the exact same things as Agent Merritt: a old flip phone that is fully charged and a slip of paper that has that familiar green triangle, two coordinates, and all the instructions that were were mentioned. How do you prepare?
0: I'll memorize the paper as it said to burn it. And then very slowly and with a lot of hesitation, start pulling out the clothes that I have separated from my normal clothes and putting them in the, in the go bag that I already have packed. Just
1: as you, be, as you begin packing your bag, um, Rue steps in. She she gets off the phone with her mother. She's kind of in a jovial mood. She was kind of laughing with her mother about the ridiculous scene she saw. And she said, she, she sees you packing your bags. Just, where are you going?
0: <laughs> National security doesn't really take time off for a pandemic.
1: Really? I thought.
0: I know, th- I know. They. Like,
1: do you know how long you'll be? <sighs>
0: um, it, it didn't say, did it? The. The. No. Paper, no. No. Um, it didn't say, probably a week, maybe two. I'll, I'll let you know as soon as I know what's going on There wasn't There was just enough information to tell me that I needed to go
1: it, She doesn't quite understand what you mean by that But she comes over and she sits down by the bed And she says I mean, I guess if they're calling you out during quarantine it must be pretty important, huh?
0: It has to be Like There's, there's no other reason
1: that they'd call us in like this lets out a big sigh she puts her hand on your hand as you're kind of putting some clothes in and she just says well just call me okay?
0: I will every second I have I'll call you when I land I'll call you when I get to the the location I'll call you every night I'll call you whenever you want me to you just you you can call me too I'll I really don't want to go (laughs)
1: She laughs along with you and helps you start packing. Amanda. Hi. (laughs) Could you introduce yourself, introduce your agent's pseudonym, and describe the average day in their life and how quarantine has affected it?
3: Yes. Hi, I'm Amanda. I play Agent Boomer, and as of right now, Agent Boomer's life is very much on a schedule. It's up. Six days a week at 4.30 a.m., knocks out her workout, showers, gets cleaned up in her, usually in a nice power suit, different colors every day, to add a little flair. Got it. And then promptly, she always goes to the kitchen no later than 8.30 to 9 and makes about a small stack of pancakes. Different flavors either every day. Today, it is Red Velvet. Uh, so she packs them up in a very nice container because before she goes to her work, uh, she will be dropping them off at her fiance who is working at a hospital. So unfortunately they have actually spent some time apart. Uh, she's staying at her old place and I'm staying at mine to keep, uh, 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 to keep our, uh, interactions to a minimum so as a way for us to continue I always drop off breakfast and since pancakes are thing I'm very proud of and I know she likes it I went I'll do it every day that I know she's working drop off pancakes right in the front so as I drop them off then I go ahead and take my car down to my office which is now uh, pretty much empty except for security Uh, the only other person who comes in is my business partner, usually at offices sides, everyone's working remotely and I work non-stop in my office because I try to keep on a schedule so I don't think about other things. Uh, I do have a go bag and that is mostly at my office to minimize other people from accidentally finding it which includes uh, passports and a lot of cash that I pulled and a gun that it is marked, hidden, because my fiancé and sister hate guns in the house so that's where that is locked in a safe behind a picture frame on my wall. So uh, when I get to the office, I just go ahead and go about my everyday, trying to get my company up and running. And then at 12, I'll pick up lunch for fiancé and sister and then I'll work remotely depending on the schedule. That is how Agent Boomer handles her day-to-day pretty much six days a week.
1: So, Agent Boomer, it's in the evening one day. You're you're kind of wrapping up at the office, and you're walking back to your car, and you notice that there is something... What kind of car is it?
3: It is... Let's go with a Tesla.
1: Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, you see that there is like a manila envelope stuck on the windshield of your car what do you do
3: i'm gonna take a very deep breath and kind of clench my bag a little bit because i'm i have a a gut feeling i know what it is and i will go to mental envelope and i'll just rip it open
1: okay you do so and you find the same things that the last two agents found how do you prepare
3: I'm going to, first thing at first, I'm going to literally kick the tire of my car and go like just, just pissed. I'm going to take a couple breaths, pinch the bridge of my nerve, ugh, And then I'm going to haul back into the office because I'm going to go back, go through security, get the door, go to my safe. I'm going to pull out uh, my go bag. And as I'm going back down to my car, I'm going to go ahead and memorize the note as best as I can. Then throw um, my go bag in the back seat and then start to take off.
1: Okay. Aaron, could you introduce yourself, your agent, and what a day in the life is like during quarantine? I'm Aaron Pabst, and I am Agent Sam
4: I spend my days wandering the empty halls of the parish. The pews are empty. The confession booths are vacant. The coffers are draining. My extracurricular activities, the things that keep me sane and satiated, have all been shut down. I'm left with nothing to sit in my office all day sipping scotch and reading book after book after book preparing for the things that I know to come at night they bring me their twisted and their broken their screaming children their thrashing family members those that are sick the things that no doctor can cure, the things that are worse than any virus this world will ever experience. Sometimes I can help them. Usually I can't. The night I cry out to the Mother Mary, the Holy Virgin of Guadalupe, for lack of understanding of why any of this is happening. I call my daughter Ruth at their foster house. Parents turn me away. They don't think it's appropriate having me call so much. I am lonely. I am scared.
1: Agent Samael, it's uh, the evening one day at the parish. You are at the congregation at the church, and there are the homeless being fed. And as you're passing through them, one of the homeless men kind of checks you a little harder than you were anticipating. And as you back up, you see that he drops a folded manila envelope. And he kind of half looks at you and says, I think you dropped something, Father. And he just kind of bolts out of the room. What do you do? Um,
4: I pick up the envelope and... I assume I know what's inside, likely before I even scoop it up. And... Without opening the envelope, I return to my office. And I pack a small suitcase that I have ready, make sure that it's stocked. With all the books I feel that I'm going to need. My favorite Bible. A cross. A vial of holy water. And a few sets of spare clothes. And then I leave
1: saying goodbye to no one. Eli, could you introduce yourself, introduce your agent, and what's their life like during quarantine?
5: I'm Eli and Agent Hyde is most likely wishing every day that she could be hitting Dawn Patrol in the morning with Pops, which is usually her morning routine. But since COVID's happened and the beaches are cleared, and we cannot go out. She ends up moving in with Pops during this time because he's a little bit older and needs a little help around the house. So most of her day is kind of spent helping out clean the yard, fix the chicken coop out back that has been needing repair. Pops and her finally got around to starting back up on the project of building a small outrigger canoe out of wood. And other days they spend their time fighting with each other about the current topic of uh, politics or what's going on in the world. Uh, At night she might be texting Micah and just checking in on him. Sometimes they'll spend uh, well into the evening just chatting over FaceTime.
1: Agent Hyde, you are coming home from dinner with Pops kind of walking up the street back to your home, the front door. So as you're walking up, you can see that the screen door in front of your front door has a manila envelope folded and kind of taped in between the screen door and the main door. And uh, Pops notices it and says, were you expecting a package? She kind of
5: like tenses up her face, but she pulls the envelope off the door. Um, and she says, no, it wasn't.
1: You want me to open or do you?
5: Uh, I'll I'll open it. It's probably for me. Um, I'll be right back.
1: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get us some drinks. Okay, I'm gonna go inside and make us some. Sure.
5: Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, she's gonna go up to like the room that she has in the back. She first like just tosses the the envelope on the bed, not even opening it. She kind of already knows what it's gonna be. She goes into her closet. She already has a to-go bag ready to go of all the things she needs. So she kind of also tosses that on the bed. She sits there for a moment and just looks at the envelope, takes like a deep sigh, opens it, and starts reading the content.
1: You see that it has uh, two coordinates, and uh, it's inviting you to a night at the opera. Um, as you kind of read the final line about memorizing it and destroying it, Pops comes in. He's He's got two drinks in his hand, your, your favorite. And he says, uh, anything important?
5: As he comes in, I crumple the note in my hand and kind of like put it behind my back and I was like uh yeah yeah it it will be but it uh, it looks like I'm getting called in for a job uh so I I have to leave as soon as I can
1: oh shit well uh I mean I guess if uh I guess if you gotta uh, you know how long you'll be gone
5: uh I who knows I'm not sure I'll have to find out once I get it, but I'll let you know as soon as I can.
1: He, he comes over and he kind of hands you the drink and he just says, Are you okay?
5: Uh, I will be once I figure out what it is. Are you going to be okay while I'm gone?
1: Yeah, I'll be fine without my little secret agent. And he kind of rolls his eyes uh, mockingly, but uh, he walks out, gives you your space. And sits in front of the television.
5: Um, right before that, I, I quickly go and text Micah and ask him to look over Pops while I'm gone, and I just leave it at that, and then I head out.
1: Okay. Zakia, could you introduce yourself, introduce your agent using their pseudonym, and uh, what's life like during quarantine for them?
6: All right. Um, I am Zakia. I'm playing Agent War. Um, they're already kind of a work from home kind of person so their uh routine hasn't changed that much i think because they don't have the choice to go outside and wander that's the stress has kind of increased um so they've taken time to catch up on things that they haven't had time to do before uh they're trying to catch up on popular culture they've missed lately watching a movie from every year that is the most popular per genre so today is the secret life of pets 2 Um, and, um, they recently stumbled across a wallpaper catalog from 1947. They're trying to, by hand, recreate that wallpaper on their kitchen wall to fill up their days. Secret Life of Pets in the background. And, um, that's pretty much the bulk of it. You can only reorganize things so many times. Everything is already color-coded. It's just this.
1: Agent Warp, one day you step out it's evening time and you forgot to check the mail so you go to your your mailbox and when you open it you see a manila envelope that is folded in half what do you do?
6: I'm going to dispose of the envelope it came in outside take the envelope to my cutting table take a straight edge and cut it by an eighth of an inch and slide out the contents and read them
1: same, same exact thing, and there's uh, uh, also a flip phone. Oh.
6: Yes. Okay. Yep, it's a. Yep, okay. It's normal for people to have phones. I should have a phone. This makes sense. <laughs> um, I take it, and I start. That's my night, is figuring out how this thing works.
1: <laughs>
6: I'm just gonna burn the, the actual note. Uh, then I'm going to call Gratitude and tell them I probably won't be able to visit them I know you don't want me to visit you but it'll be a while before you see me again I will try to call you, do not ignore me and I will call Dr. Byrne and say uh, we will probably have to move towards something that everyone is calling Zoom I hope that it's on this new phone I have I will let you know soon. I will refill <laughs> my prescription and start packing everything in order of color, weather, and functionality, and pack a swimsuit, because I read that you should always pack a swimsuit.
1: So, Agent Warp, this actually goes for all the agents. As you guys are packing, some of you get the idea, some of you don't, but if you were to check the flight number, you'd see that the time is basically a red eye in your part of the- late at night or some awkward time and if you were to check this the the coordinates you would see that the first one seems to be somewhere close to the airport um, that you will be leaving from and the second coordinate seems to be some piece of property in lansing michigan you get ready you go out and the first thing you do is you arrive at that first set of coordinates and you find yourselves in your own parts of the world at a medical park and though it's the middle of the night one of the doors is open and the lights are on you walk in and you are greeted by two individuals wearing blue suits these are pressurized heavy-duty biohazard environment suits it feels a little extra but you go along with it they confirm your ID they sit you down and they explain they are going to test you for coronavirus. They take your temperature, they swab the inside of your mouth, and they study the sample under a microscope. Can everyone please make a luck roll? <laughs> okay.
6: What is that? Is that the 100 the-
1: it's a luck roll, so it's either 50% or less. You want to roll under 50. <laughs> oh,
6: God.
3: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Motherfucker.
1: Everybody has coronavirus. Uh, God <laughs> <Everybody. laughs> oh,
3: dang it. I who 40... failed and
1: who succeeded?
5: I, I had 45.
1: Succeeded. I didn't let I me, let me Let me just hear whether you succeeded or failed. So, Caleb, you succeeded. Yes. Allegra?
5: I
3: crit failed with a 55.
0: Oh. Ooh. Yep. Oh. <laughs> <All right>.
1: Amanda?
3: <laughs> oh, I failed with a 92, y'all. Ooh. Okay.
1: Aaron? I succeed with a 24. Eli?
5: Uh, I succeeded with a 45.
1: Okay, and Zakia. I
5: succeeded with a 22.
1: <laughs> all right, okay. um, Allegra, Amanda, thanks for playing. <laughs>
6: <laughs> um, oh, Hi! <laughs> I was
1: like, yeah. So, those of you that failed, make a note of it. But even so, after a few very tense minutes, they turn to you and they congratulate you. You have all tested negative for the virus. You are shuttled to the airport, and sure enough, your tickets are waiting for you at the front desk. The airport is empty, devoid even of employees, just essential crew. You're the only person on your flight, and when you land in CRI Airport in Lansing, Michigan, you're the only person in the terminal. You collect your bags, jump into a cab, and head to the rendezvous point. Could I ask everyone to again make another luck roll? Yeah. Oh, new dice this time. Oh. Nice. Gotta,
0: time y'all? Don't be assholes.
1: So, who crit succeeded? Anyone? Who succeeded? No one succeeded?
3: I oh, did. Sir. Oh, oh, no, I succeeded. On. Everyone say their so, numbers.
1: <laughs> sounds like Eli succeeded. Who else? Allegra did. Allegra?
3: Sir, um, who, yes, go ahead. Uh, what is it if you get a 50?
1: Um, a 50 is a success.
3: Okay. Thank God.
1: Uh, who's late? Sounds like Merit. Yeah, I failed. <laughs> uh, Samael? Samael fails. And Zakia as well? Also failed, yes. Okay. No one's crit failed, right? No. Okay, good. Those of you who arrive on time, it's 7 a.m., a crisp 55 degrees outside, and you're standing in the parking lot of a hot tub store called Lifestyles Hot Tubs. Those of you who arrived on time, could you describe what you look like to the other three agents? Uh, let's start with uh, Eli.
5: I am. I have long uh, black hair. I'm not. It's not uh, done up like I would if I was like on base. Uh, I'm actually not, I'm wearing actual casual clothes, so I'm just wearing like black jeans and just a shirt. Uh, I'm not wearing the jacket, I have it kind of slung over my shoulders. You can see that I have uh, a full sleeve on my right side, is uh, a, a full Polynesian sleeve. And on the left side on my forearm I have this like rabbit that's like kind of running outstretched and on top of it it says rabbit is good, rabbit is wise on the bottom. She's kind of got a, her arms kind of crossed, kind of just leaning back against the the door of this hot tub place, just kind of watching everybody who's slowly trickling in. Allegra. Uh, Agent Tuck is probably about
0: 5'7". seven. She's got uh, brown hair that's up in a up in a pretty high ponytail. Hazel eyes. She's uh, she's also wearing dark jeans uh, and a light blue button-down shirt with the sleeves rolled up over the elbows and, oh, what are they called? A peacoat that's kind of like half on, half off as she's trying to text with one hand and keep her bag on the other shoulder and like tr- just trying to juggle like three things like a dork. She knows if she calls her wife right now, her wife will still be asleep and her wife will be mad. So she's just trying to tell her she's safe and then sticks her phone in her back pocket and finally kind of gets everything else Wrangled with her her coats off and her backpacks back on again, and she kind of nods
3: to hide as she walks up. Amanda, would uh, you coming out, uh, she is wearing a little bit of a rumpled, uh, very nice uh, white crisp shirt. She does have her black jacket, very nice uh, black pants, leather shoes. Uh, her watch is showing she is carrying uh, basically uh, a very nice high fashionable like laptop bag and her other work bag. She has a Bluetooth and she's kind of sticking her finger up at the other <laughs> agents like one moment as she's wrapping up a phone call, <laughs> uh, just basically wrapping up a business call, and then uh, hangs up, recognizes somebody, looks at Tuck, kind of hesitates. But um, kind of does like a friendly nod gesture. To them. Tuck's gonna go hug her. Oh. <laughs> 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 and uh, Boomer's gonna kind of stiffen for a second, but she she's gonna go ahead and relax and like reciprocate the hug. But it does it does take her a second to be like, oh, I well,
5: that's hey,
0: cute.
3: <laughs> Sorry,
0: do you want a hug too?
5: I'd rather you not touch me.
0: That's fair.
1: You look around this building and you notice that the front entrance is a pair of double doors that are tinted glass, and there's a buzzer with a white piece of paper taped over it, and it reads, box office. What do you do?
3: I'm gonna look at Tuck, and I'm just gonna be, same shit, not towards the door, and then I'm just gonna go towards it. (laughs) Just gonna be, go ahead, try to open it, knock on it, ring it. Whatever.
1: Okay, so, Boomer, you're, you're, you're pressing the buzzer? Yes. As soon as you press it, just a moment later, you hear a woman's voice on the other end say, Sorry, we're closed. I'm just going to nod. I'll,
0: I'll go push the buzzer, too, and say, uh, We were told to meet here to uh, head for the opera.
1: You finish the sentence... And a beat later, the buzzer goes off, letting you into the door. You walk inside, and you see a very large showroom of many hot tubs and jacuzzis. But to the left of you is a 20-something blonde girl wearing a pink mask. And she's sitting at a receptionist table. She notices the three of you, and she says... Hello, please head back to the warehouse. There's coffee and breakfast. You'll get started once everyone has arrived. I'll
0: head back. Yeah, I'll head back there.
1: Okay. You begin moving. You walk through the showroom floor, weaving your way past jacuzzis and hot tubs, and you find the back. There's a, a large uh, warehouse room that is cluttered with mechanical pumps and hot tub frames and general storage shelving. In the center of the space are six folding chairs, spaced equally apart by six feet. A small desk with a chair is positioned in front of the chairs. There's a folding table to the side with a cardboard coffee traveler and a pile of donuts and muffins. What do you do?
5: Go check out the muffins. I'm also going to
3: check out the coffee for sure.
0: Yeah, I'll set my bag down and then I'll awkwardly turn to Boomer and be like, hey sorry about that I realized like for the time that we're in that was probably not the best choice to hug you but I also got really overwhelmed so sorry Um,
3: it's all good it's all good don't worry about it Um, I'm going to go ahead and actually kind of pour two cups of coffee and I'm going to extend one out as
5: like a gesture of like it's all good I'll take it is there only coffee
1: Uh, you only see coffee yeah (laughs)
5: <laughs> I don't drink coffee. <laughs> I just go grab, like, a random muffin off the ground. Uh, off the table and uh, take a seat, <laughs> a, take a seat a somewhere. And, <laughs> and, like, just take the top off of it and just start eating it.
1: Around 7.05, three other Ubers pull up. And Agent Merritt, Agent Samael, and Agent Warp step out. Could I have each of you describe what you look like to the three that are kind of getting out at the same time. Let's start with Caleb.
2: Okay, so let me just say that right now Merit is very upset. Uh, The estimated time on the Uber said that I would be here at 6.59 and it is 7.05. He would not let me choose my own music. There was no gum and the AC was not on whatsoever. Okay, let that just be said. Um, I'm a six foot one male with dark brown wavy hair kept short and tight to the head. Strong but narrow features with a powerful jawline. Deep green eyes. He's toned but not overly muscly with broad shoulders. He's conventionally handsome and to a certain degree looks like he was made in a factory. Like someone (laughs) knew what a human looked like or at least what (laughs) everyone assumed one looked like and went off that. Um, he's always dressed formally. Today, he is in a uh, an all-black turtleneck that is uh, close to the body with a long brown coat over that and gray slacks with brown brogues to match the coat, of course. Uh, he looks very frustrated right now, though. He's moving very fast past uh, the, the, the two of you. He wants no conversation. He needs to get to these coordinates before they accuse him of being late.
1: Everyone, uh uh you've met the first Mythos monster. <laughs> 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 um, a legend. um Aaron, tell us what Samael looks
4: like. Uh Agent Samael is about six feet tall. Um long wavy black hair tucked behind his ears, short, well trimmed, black beard, he has very gaunt very gaunt facial features, very high cheekbones, uh, sharp nose. Deep-set, sparkling green eyes, dressed in all black, with a white collar strapped around his neck.
1: And, uh, Zakia?
6: Agent Warp is also feeling upset, uh, maybe more anxious. She should have been here at least 300 seconds ago. Uh, She is a thin, dark-skinned granola bar of a woman. Her clothes look... Homemade. She's got a purple turtleneck with a dress that starts as overalls and becomes a long to the floor skirt. Uh, She has black braids that stop right after her ears. Uh, One of them is dip dyed blonde and she's wearing rose colored flip up shades that are currently flipped up to show her prescription. She's carrying an absolutely stuffed backpack and in her hand she has a drop spindle with a little bit of yarn wrapped around it and some more wool in the backpack in case she gets bored. And she is full-on Naruto (laughs) running behind Agent Merritt.
1: And I would imagine Agent Samael is not moving that fast at all.
4: No, he sees them both run in, and he's just kind of like, kids?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You, all three of you, are standing in front of the... the, uh the store and you see the same thing as the other agents a slip of paper that reads box office above a buzzer uh real quick
2: i look to warp uh trying to be polite but i'm sort of heaving from the super white fast walk that i did to this <laughs> door i go uh, if i may i am going to take precedent and i press the uh buzzer
1: you hear a female voice say sorry we're closed
2: and i uh, i make sure to uh preface Oh, I'm sorry. I was under the impression this is where the opera tickets were sold.
1: You hear the buzzer go off. You are allowed inside. Perfect. The three of you step inside. Uh, You see a young blonde girl wearing a pink mask. She says, hello, please head back to the warehouse. There's coffee and breakfast. You'll get started once everyone has arrived.
2: (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much. Like her.
1: Uh, She smiles at you, uh... Agent Samael.
4: Smile and nod back and continue on.
1: As you kind of give her a smile and you walk on, you notice that she immediately stands up, grabs her purse, and walks out the front door and locks it. Amen. <laughs> you head back into the warehouse. You see the uh, three agents. Agent Tuck, Agent Hyde, and Agent Boomer. What do you three do once you are inside the warehouse? I think Merritt, as soon as he enters the room, he sets his leather duffel
2: bag down where it's appropriate and then hangs up his coat. If there's a coat rack, it goes on there. If there's something else that suitably looks like a coat rack, he's very upset. (laughs) He puts it there, and he's almost uh, praying that that jacket doesn't get hurt. But then he turns to address everyone else, and he says, let me just be the first one to say that uh, no Uber should be trusted in Lansing, Michigan. I'm appalled. I'm also Agent Merritt. It's wonderful to meet you all. And he goes dr- immediately to the coffee and he pours himself a pure black coffee.
3: I'm just going to look over at Boomer and raise my eyebrows. <laughs> I'm going to acknowledge that and be like, wow. The
4: man's got initiative. You got to give him credit for
5: that. You guys are late. <laughs> it's, don't blame him. It's, it was you know?
6: yes um very sorry for being late um hello nice to meet all of you yes hello and she goes to hold a hold a muffin so there's something to do with her hands <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is good did you, so- you want to describe what you uh what you do in the moment when you first arrived
4: oh yeah i'm definitely um i look at the coffee and I shrug my shoulders, and I say, nah. And I pull a little flask out of kind of my front pocket, unscrew it, and I just take a big old fat gulp, gulp oh, oh, uh, and, then, and then I eat a muffin. Oh, man.
3: I see him uh, taking a sip out of his flask, and I'm going to just kind of motion to Tesla. Like, Hold on one second. I'm going to kind of walk right over to him and be like, hey, uh, do you mind topping me off really quick? No, that yeah, I
4: guess about. I can spare a little.
2: I think Stay that uh, Agent Merritt is watching this from the table and taking extensive notes, just writing down these things, and, and just sort of noting as soon as the flask goes into uh, Boomer's drink. And he speaks up and he says, I know this is a bit of a formality, but is there any way I could get all of your uh, handles uh, so that I have it for my notes? Uh, it, it doesn't have to go in any particular order, Actually, if you like, we could have you two over by the uh, drinks. Uh, why don't you fill us in? What's your uh, two handles? I'm Samael. Samael. All right. Pleasure to meet you. I'm Merritt. Uh,
3: uh, you can call me Boomer. I take a nice uh, go about my coffee.
2: Boomer. Charming. I love that. Anyone else? No particular order. If you like, I can just call on someone.
0: I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait until he makes
5: me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, fair, fair enough. I know that these interactions can be a little bit awkward. Remember that we, we all are operating as a team, and the sooner we get to know each other, the better we'll do, right? Uh, how about you, uh, uh, the young woman with the backpack there? Uh, you were running with me earlier when we were late because of that despicable Uber. How about you tell me your handle? Agent Warp. Warp. Perfect. Pleasure to meet you, Warp. Uh, and, uh, yourself over there, you don't like coffee, you're eating the muffin top, Uh, your handle?
5: I, like, look over at him and, like, stare him up and down for a second and I'm just like, uh, I'm Hyde.
2: Hyde. Understood. Nice to meet you, Hyde. Merit. Um, and that leaves, uh, well, (laughs) uh, how about yourself in the peacoat?
0: Agent Tuck, and your merit, yes, as you said four times.
2: Am merit, uh, good. Great. Uh, Five. I mean, yes, that that, that makes a, a full team here. Don't don't we think?
6: Agent Hyde. Um, does your name uh, refer to the noun like skin,
5: or the
2: verb like conceal? I was wondering the same thing.
5: It's more of the the character in the in that book um, oh. I don't remember what it's called dude uh, drinks the potion yes. and, and shit you know yes. the other one. oh I thought it Not was a tonight. reference to
3: that 70s show yeah
2: Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde oh I see
5: I'm like watching him write notes in his <laughs> notebook I mean, is it necessary to write notes?
2: Uh, yes, so that I can, I can <laughs> so that I can look at them later, so, so I have full information. I, I was wondering, why did you choose uh, such a name? You, you don't have to give any personal information. Of course, that doesn't uh, refer to anything in the handbook, but I'm interested. Why hide? You, you don't look the literary uh, type. Um, <laughs> what's the connotation? That
4: was a little harsh Mm -hmm. I'm sorry
2: First of all
5: I read a a lot Thank you Um, uh, It's just a nickname I got uh, From some friends Um, Sometimes they prefer me When I drink over when I'm Not Uh, So they call me Hyde I see Yeah.
1: That makes a lot of sense Sure The uh, awkwardness in the room can't seem to get any worse. Stepping in from an exit door that leads to the backside of the building is a woman wearing a blue face mask. She's just hanging up from a cell phone call and you can sense she's a little frazzled. She's 5'5", white, looks to be in her mid-40s, wears a burgundy pantsuit that seems like it fit better about five years ago, and has soft, graying brown hair that halts at her shoulders. A civilian would mistake her for your average soccer mom, but you can tell that she carries herself with the confidence of a special agent. She stops behind the desk and takes the time to acknowledge each of you with her piercing brown eyes. Hello, you can call me Agent Mallory, I'm your case officer, can I have everyone sit down please? As you sit, she continues... I appreciate everyone showing up, even with all that's happening out there. I guess I should start by reassuring you that none of you would be here if you were sick. That's what the tests were for. So everyone should feel safe to take off their masks if you want to. I, I know I do, and she does in fact begin taking off her mask. Does anyone follow her? I don't. No. I don't. You know, they say you're supposed to leave it on, even when you test negative, rather. That's what they say, but I've been wearing this thing since last night, so pardon me if I need a few minutes. I'll keep my distance, okay? Oh, I I also want to say that um, this briefing isn't related to the disease, so as far as we know it isn't unnatural. Just a good old-fashioned outbreak that we have to work around. So, about the mission at hand. I think I should start with some background. In 1955, A researcher for the program named Daniel Freiss had a psychotic break. He attacked and killed many members of his own research team. Freiss was apprehended, but not before he set fire to and destroyed the majority of agency intel that was acquired since 1920. That's nearly five decades, including World War II, gone in a flash. Since that time, preceding directors have maintained a strict bang-and-burn policy. Case files were never archived, debriefings rarely recorded. We've been mowing the grass for over 60 years, and we're no closer to stopping our enemy. No closer to being able to anticipate their movements or understand their larger motives. (sighs) Hell, we each in this room have our own unnatural experiences but who among us really understands what we've seen? If you're in the game, you understand that this is not how you win a war. The director's office has decided that if we don't learn from our history, well, you know the rest of the story. Operation Perennial plans to rectify this. While the world quarantines, we will be gathering intel and forming a dossier of historical accounts that put the vectors we commonly face into perspective you'll have free range to travel where you need and do the research you think is priority Uh, my number's been programmed into those burners so keep me in the loop when it's necessary now I have good news about the operation and I have bad news which would you like first
5: the bad bad.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you're all unanimous on this at least the bad news is this is an ongoing operation which means as lead surface you will be expected to return to the field no questions asked I don't have expiration. she pauses at uh, at uh, boomers outburst and she continues look I don't have an expiration date so don't ask for one but until further notice this will be your only assignment within the program The good news is... Yes. The good news is... Perennial's op-tempo is high priority but low risk. You'll be working without time constraints... And the budget is generous. This isn't our average operation, folks, okay? You're here because the DO personally selected you. If you're looking for a chance at upward mobility, this is it. She reaches into her bag pulls out a stack of cards and walks over to Agent Tuck and says, Could you pass these around, please? She hands them to you.
0: Uh, I'll take a look at them. Okay. Are they all the same?
1: They're all basically the same. Uh, she continues and she says, These are ID badges and debit cards. Everyone gets one of each. You'll be operating a CDC, but don't rely on the cover. It's window dressing. Enough to justify why you're out of quarantine. As... Agent Tuck passes these badges and these debit cards around. You can see that these CDC ID badges look pretty authentic. They just happen to have a slightly outdated photo of you, maybe two, three years old. Um, All of the debit cards and all of the ID badges have pseudonyms or secondary names for you. Uh, Could you each tell us the name that is on your ID badges and your debit cards. Let's start with Agent Merritt. I am Alan Marks. Tuck.
3: I'm Kate DiGiovanni. Boomer. I look at it and I just... uh, I'm Esther Sanchez.
1: Samael. Andrew North. Hyde.
6: Jamie Wilson. Warp. Stephanie Pierce.
1: Agent Mallory continues. The debit cards each hold $2,500. These are for incidentals. Food, lodging, bribes. Do not spend this on personal shit. I don't want to get a call a few days from now that you blew through $15,000. These should last you. We've taken care of air travel with Agent Hyde, who can fly you where you need to go. Say hi, Agent Hyde. She gestures to you, Agent Hyde, uh, as if she wants you to be acknowledged. Sup? In two weeks, I'll check in on you and we can assess renewing the stipend then she kind of stretches for a moment you can tell that she's probably been working on putting this together for a little while still seems to kind of be in the, in the works of putting the last touches on it she continues and says look I understand that this is all very obtuse how does one pursue intelligence gathering if you don't know where to look I hope in time you will come to appreciate how much tooth pulling I had to do to get what I have for you today so in 2002, we finally began enforcing recorded debriefings and the archival of case files. We've compiled these cases onto an experimental server. This server is not technically connected to the internet, and by all accounts, completely untraceable, thanks in part to our new encryption system, designed by our own Agent Boomer. Say hi, Agent Boomer. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> there's 20 years worth of case files on there, so you've got plenty of material to start with. There's also a separate file listing every known green box in the country. It's not complete, but it's become common practice for agents to lead their research in these green boxes. So we're hoping a lot of the legwork will just be getting to them. Okay, so that's one starting point. Then there's the infamous Daniel Frys. Again, I was not provided with records, but the DO suggested looking to the name as it may turn something up. Frice would have been hospitalized, likely in a naval hospital. Hospitals, especially the mental kind, keep records. No one's ever tempted to go after Frice's records, but if he spilled the beans, it might be in those files. Finally, um, there's something that came across my desk yesterday that might be relevant, but it's time sensitive. A former agent named Clyde Bauman died of a heart attack in his apartment two days ago. Bauman lived here in Lansing, and I was going to put local agents on it, but I figured maybe the new research team would be interested. Uh, Here's a write-up about what we know about him. And She takes a single sheet of paper that has a little um, uh, house key taped to it, and she she hands it to Agent Merritt. Agent Merritt, let me share with you uh, this handout. Give me one moment. Okay.
0: I'm sorry, you said he died two days ago?
1: He died two days ago. Agent Mary, could you do everyone the favor of reading what the report says? I sure can.
2: Summary of a report on Clyde Bowman. Date of birth, 328, 1945. A family, wife, Marlene, 820, 1948 to 2, 2015. A daughter, Sharon, 912, 1967, and son, Michael, 728, 1974. Occupation, Bureau of Internal Revenue, later IRS, six hundred eleven, nineteen sixty five 1965 to 91 1999. Retired as Assistant Deputy Commissioner for Operational Support. Affiliation, active with Group from 1967 to 1970, taking part in 11 operations, details unavailable. Numerous consultations with a specialty in taxation and property
1: confiscations, no current association with Group. Once you finish reading that, Agent Mallory continues. She says, Before Bauman's retirement, he pitched a research operation, much like Perennial. It was denied by the DO at the time, but Intel has its suspicions that Bauman may have kept up the hobby as an unofficial historian. I'll be frank, Bauman is more of a cleanup job. We need to make sure his apartment is clear of any sensitive materials. I figured two birds, one stone, and maybe Bauman did find something that might be helpful for you if you choose to go another route, I can just redirect locals and let you you know what they find. But that's what I've got. Any questions?
0: Will we be constantly on this case? As it has no end date? Or will it be a rotating cycling kind of thing?
1: You can consider this uh, an ongoing operation, Agent Tuck, Mm -hmm. but we are not monsters here at the program if you need time off we're willing to give it to you we understand that these are extreme times well as I said that material that we have available for you will be on that server I suppose we should talk a little bit more about it Um, I'm gonna let Boomer pick up where I fall short but the gist of the server is that you can only access it using a VPN and using only these laptops, and Agent Mallory grabs a a carrier bag and pulls three what looks to be 15-inch black laptops from the bag. They're OS-encrypted. We're providing you with three. In my hands are three corresponding USB fobs, and she is in fact holding these kind of silver USB sticks. The server requires two-factor authentication. That means a password you must change weekly, and this fob inserted into a USB slot on the laptop. That's one laptop and one fob for every researcher on the team. Agent Warp, Samael, Boomer, why don't you come and collect these now? All right.
3: Go up, pluck the uh, fob for her, and I'm just going to go ahead and grab the first laptop. Look at it be like "Eh, it'll do and I'll go and I'll go back to my seat and I'll just pout like a child with my mask on
4: you're gonna have to show me how this works
2: Merritt takes his pencil and raises it in the air like he has a question for Mallory and he waits patiently
1: as the researchers are um grabbing their laptops she says uh yes uh agent Merritt." uh
2: Case Handler Mallory, I had a question for you You refer to these three as researchers Does that lead us to believe that there are Occupational designations for this mission?
1: That is correct, Agent Um, We've decided to Bring on three researchers And three security team Agent Hyde Agent Tuck Agent Merritt The three of you will be watching these folks back While they do their research Is that understood? Absolutely. Uh, I have one further question, if you're comfortable, Mallory. Uh,
2: In terms of this, is there any leadership designation? Is there someone we should be answering to amongst the group
1: before we answer to you? She, She kind of smiles and says, I think the researchers should follow the security team. You folks are trained. You know what you're doing. Researchers, you should not be going on about this research alone. I don't want to hear that you are separating yourselves, isolating, and working without sharing information between the three of you. Security team, watch out for these folks, and make sure they don't overextend themselves. Now listen, one last thing about those uh, laptops. These aren't toys, okay? You should only be using them to access the server. There is no research to be kept on those laptops or on personal computers. All data acquired needs to be uploaded or inputted directly to that server. It has a basic word processor and there's utilities for uploading images. Did I get it right, Agent Boomer?
3: Yeah, you got the kindergarten basic la-di-da-la-la-la version, but yeah, you got it across. (laughs) Good job.
1: Agent Boomer, I just want to let you know I'm not your enemy, okay? I'm your friend here. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yes, Agent Warp.
6: Why do we all each have a human if this is a low-risk operation?
4: What the fuck?
6: That was peculiar. A what? Stated. <laughs> Jesus.
1: It's, it's like this, folks. The ultimate purpose of this operation is to establish a database that field agents such as yourselves can pull from in the future. We also recognize that a lot of the intelligence you're going to be gathering is dangerous. This stuff, the truth of it, it's lethal to the human psyche. What's more is, we've come across memetic and informational hazards before, so again, you should not be taking on this research alone. You need to be sharing it with each other. Does that clarify?
5: I got just one, one question.
2: Merritt puts his pencil back up.
5: <laughs> so that means you got me a plane, right? <laughs> so I have a plane? You're going to let me use a plane? Mm,
1: yes, in so many words. We, we have uh, acquired a plane. Yeah. I, I came in on it this morning... Nice. Uh, it's at Air. It's at Abrams Airfield. I'll I'll get you the address.
2: That's all I need to know. I just had one question. Uh, if, if it's all right, I just had something to add. Maybe to put Warps uh, a mind at ease. I just wanted to put this forward. Is uh, think of the time in in elementary school when you went on a class field trip. This is just the buddy system. This is to make sure that you and and everyone associated with this team is kept safe. In fact, think of what we were just told about uh, Bryce about and his arson and, and attack on his own people. Uh, consider the security team an opportunity to prevent such, uh, such terrible things from happening. We're just here to help. Hold so don't
3: safe. bullshit the woman. I mean, so we're not going pick
6: the daisies. <laughs> Let's be for real. It's it's okay. The example is lost on me. I did not attend a public elementary school, so it's fine. Well
2: then, (laughs) (laughs) all I'm trying to say is we're here to watch your back, and we're going to take care of you, uh, regardless whether you need it or not. We're we're here to assist.
0: Warp, you ever hear the phrase "safety in numbers"? Yes. Yes. There you go. Just leave it. Just leave it at that. Safety in numbers. Yes.
2: Exactly. Safety in numbers
4: well Mallory you've answered the question for how we deal with digital information but you need to understand that that's not how I work I write things down I read books I'm old fashioned what about that I don't want to be typing everything I into a laptop old-fashioned,
1: uh, Agent Samael but this operation cannot risk dangers of information being left in regular old books if you find things such as artifacts such as tomes such as who knows what Catalog them, photograph them, contact me, and we'll decide what to do. We have an air team that could possibly fly things out if you find them. We have places to put those things. We don't want to destroy things, we're past that phase of our agency's career. If you find something that is important, research it and input as much of it as you can up into the server. Otherwise, it needs to stay where you found it or you need to put it into a green box for one of us to collect it later. Does that help? Understood.
6: Will we have to depend on Ubers anymore? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
2: thank you, Warp. Yes.
1: She smiles and says, You were late too, huh? Um, look, there's a, a black Chevy Suburban out back. It should sit you all comfortably. Who wants to drive? And she holds up the key. I'll
0: throw my hand up.
1: Okay, she tosses it to Agent Tuck. Catch him. Is there anything else? Yes. Uh,
2: in in terms of uh, requisitions, I know we were given those debit cards. Uh, is that to be used for our our uh, physical stay when we arrive there as well? Our hotel hotel plans, all of those accommodations.
1: Yes, I said that already, Agent Mayor. Yes,
2: I'm just trying to clarify whether I should start the budget now or later when we attribute all funds. So if this is our final amount, I I will make sure that that's uh, uh, properly accounted for.
1: It is not. In about two weeks, when I check in with you, we can assess whether you need to increase the stipend. I think we can get by.
2: I'm pretty good with these things. This should service us just well enough if we keep a
1: good eye on our uh, accounting. Ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to understand that I am your friend. I am here to help you. What we are endeavoring on is important. I think so. So, follow the security team's lead. You'll be fine. Stay safe. Good luck. Before you leave today, I'd like to at least hear what your plan is moving forward. She kind of... You know, rele- you know, releases the floor.
0: Thank you, Agent.
1: I'm fascinated to check out this apartment.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see what Agent Bowen's getting up to.
5: I think that's a waste of time.
2: And why is that? Really? Do you have a counterpoint?
5: Well, I think we should go somewhere else. As far as Mallory said, it's a cleanup job, more or less. So we can require whatever information that's already there by other means. And we can focus on the other research that takes us much farther away.
4: Well, the problem is we don't know where that farther away research necessarily leads. We need a starting point.
3: I'm going to raise my hand and look at Mallory and be like, Bowman, howdy, no, real talk. Don't bullshit. how do he die? And, like, heart attack or like decapitated, sucked through a portal through hell type heart attack?
1: What the coroner of Lansing, Michigan says is that he died of a heart attack.
3: That could you death. can
1: fill the details in for yourself on that one, I think.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm of the belief that we should go wherever we can affect the most change the soonest. Um, uh, and the sooner the better. Uh, if we are in a place that is locally in need of our help, we should do that before moving anywhere else. It's just the most logical thing.
3: They're going to probably send us there eventually. At least if we just get it in, get it out just quickly, we can just keep it moving. Because eventually they're just going to send us there.
0: It should be a a quick job job anyway. Absolutely.
4: Quick stop on the way to the airport. How about that?
0: If
3: it's a clean-up job, it won't take us long anyway.
4: (laughs) Depends on how much we have to clean up.
5: I guess if that's the...
3: You're fast behind the wheel, right? I can get us places. That's I don't yeah, hey, get us in, get us out, let's go.
0: Hyde can get us in the air quicker.
1: You would know that uh, Bauman's apartment is in Lansing, so it's just a drive away. Quick stop on the way.
5: We're fine, here. fine, fine.
3: Sure, sure. We'll we'll go do that then. We'll actually pick up real donuts instead of this fake box thing they pulled on us. I'll find you a drink that's not coffee
5: Thank you At least some tea would be nice
1: I'll remember it for next time
4: We're, we're in Michigan What's, what's uh, Lansing, Michigan's marijuana policy again? Somebody
2: remind me <laughs> Is it pro or
0: I mean it's Michigan so I doubt that oh,
3: no. I I'll
0: really. remind
2: you uh, uh, Sam I all That uh, it is still Federally illegal Right
0: yeah, because federal laws are always real logical.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not at all, but as long as it's a law, we have to uphold it. So I'd like that while you're in the presence <laughs> of myself, at least keep it to a minimum, or at least out of my eyesight.
3: Agent Merritt. By all
2: no- means, follow no. and do whatever it is you like, but I can't see it.
3: Honey, this, this place has medical marijuana. Agent Merritt, how many uh, operas have you been
2: to? I'm sorry, what was that, Tucker? Tuck? Uh, Tuck. Tuck. Tuck? Whichever it is. Tuck. Tuck. I apologize. I will write that down. Tuck.
0: Agent Merritt, exactly how many operas have you been to?
2: Uh, exactly one. This will be my. Uh, well, I don't know. Can you call your inciting incident your first? Um, if you can, then one. If you can't, then zero.
5: No. It doesn't count.
0: The law's your.
2: <laughs> Case handler Mallory. I believe we're ready. I think we are going to take you up on your offer of cleaning up the Bauman uh, case, Uh, taking great care to uh, see him through. Afterwards, our plan is to find some of the furthest research to appease our new friend, Hyde, uh, just to investigate. But first, we'll be looking into the Bauman case. Uh, If we could just get the exact information on where it is we go next and
1: and all the uh, procedural uh, information. Of course Agent Mary. she gives you the address to his home. It is uh, an apartment building in downtown Lansing and it's apartment 2B. so you can assume it's on the second floor. Um, and you know as as the, instru- as the uh, instructions were, you are to go to his apartment, make sure that it is clear of any kind of um, uh, program related materials and uh, ensure that you have gotten everything of his uh, that might be related to the program. Any questions from the group? Do do we have anything to ask
2: uh, of our handler before we move out of here?
1: I'm satisfied. Let's get on. All right, folks, good luck. And she gestures for you to exit through the entrance that she came in. As you begin making your way, she speaks up and says... Agent Tuck, Merritt Hyde, can you stay back for one nope. moment? Y- yes, Ma'am. of course.
0: I'll, I'll pass the keys off to Boomer so if can sure. open it up and get everyone in.
1: The three researchers step out and she continues and says look, I know that this might feel like babysitting, but I consider you to have the most important job of all. I wasn't kidding when I said that these researchers are on the front lines. Look after them, but more importantly look after the research. The program is taking a huge risk with this operation. If the choice is between their lives or the exposure of this research to the public, you know what to choose. And she kind of dismisses you. If you'd like to say something, go ahead.
5: Uh, Could I wait until everybody else leaves before I ask something of Mallory?
1: Merritt or Tuck have nothing to say. They step out and hide you, remain. Yeah, I just thank Mallory and then I walk out to the, the car. Yes, Agent Hyde?
5: Uh, as they, like, leave, uh, I look at Mallory and I'm like, I didn't sign up to take out civilians. That's not what I was hired to do when I joined the program.
1: I understand. But we all have to do things sometimes that are outside of what we expect to do. I'm hoping that it doesn't come to that. If you're as good of a squad leader as Thornbill tells me, then it shouldn't come to that. But OPSEC is not an option. It's an order. Is that understood, soldier? Keep me updated, and I'm happy to help when I can, okay?
5: Copy that, and I'll, I'll head out.
1: The researchers, you step out for a moment without the security team. You have about a minute or two by yourselves. You see that there is, in fact, a, a black Chevy Suburban. What do you do in that minute or two while you're waiting around for security
3: team? I'm going to show my iPhone to Sam L and be like, just so you know, Michigan has me- medical marijuana. It, that's stupid easy to get done. So, you're good, good to go.
4: to know. Thank you. And I take uh, another
1: big swig from my flask. Um, eventually, Agent Tuck, Merit, and then, a moment later, Hyde come out through the door. Uh, Tuck, you hit the button. Sure enough, the suburban... Unlocks.
0: Highland kids.
1: I don't suppose that all of you
2: would be okay with me taking the passenger side. Uh, sometimes my knees knock in the back of the seat. It's just not comfortable for me. Uh, I don't know how you all feel about that. <sighs> of this guy's the security man wants to ride shotgun. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that.
3: Boom is just gonna go and just sit in the car and just like shake her head.
1: Boomer, you get in, everyone else piles in and you suddenly realize as big as this Suburban is, it's it's kind of small inside when there's six people and it's not fun. Do you get the, the center seat or do you try to make some space?
3: I'll
4: sit center. It's fine. I don't care.
3: Yeah, because I, 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 uh, of uh, her slight belt and shortness, She would suck it up and go in the middle seat.
1: Okay. You guys pile in, start the suburban, and head on your way. Um, You are... Once you plug in the address to the GPS, you're honestly maybe uh, 20 minutes to downtown Lansing. In fact, I'll even say it takes about 15 minutes because the city is basically completely empty very few cars, very few pedestrians. Um, The city of Lansing is far from a metropolis. It feels like if Main Street USA just decided to keep growing a couple dozen blocks. There's a few high-rises, but most of the buildings are squat and brick. Um, Perhaps a few weeks ago, the place felt more like, you know, metropolitan, but now with nobody around, it's, it's a ghost town. By the time you arrive to the address of Bauman's apartment, the sun has disappeared behind some clouds, leaving a dull gray light. You um, know his apartment is on the second floor, and you have parked on the street. What do you do?
0: There was a key on the note, correct? And Merritt still has the note? Yes. I think you're in control here, Merritt.
2: Well, uh, I appreciate that, but let's remember that this is a group effort. I don't want anyone to feel excluded just because I'm holding the key. Um, There's one thing that I would like to establish before we go inside, and that's one we should have an entrance and an exit, and neither should be the same. Um, So... That's one thing to consider. If you'd like, Tuck, I can give you the house key. But we should do a perimeter, see what we're uh, up against, and ensure that there's no one around, even with the, the quarantine in effect. And then we can go uh, go forward.
4: While he's talking, I get out of the car and I just start walking inside.
5: <laughs> I follow him. I'm gonna go towards like the back.
2: I am making a note of that. Not plan makers, these, huh?
6: I was listening.
1: Thank you, Warp. I appreciate that. That- that is showing a willingness to work together. Three of the agents jump out, the other three kind of put together what's happening, and I think we'll find out what happens next time in our next episode. I think this is a good place to stop. Agent Mallory steps out from the back exit door, just as the black Suburban carrying the agents drives off. She lights a cigarette, and she makes a call. It's happening. Yeah. I know. I have a good feeling about it this time. Even if they do fuck it up, I've got someone on the inside now. They'll make sure it goes to plan.